Well, this morning, if you got your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. Today, I'm going to talk about the rat race. I know some of you don't like rats or mice or those little varmints. You know, we got one one time. Not a rat. Virginia called it a rat. I went to the pet store and I got Chelsea a gerbil. You ever seen a gerbil? They're bigger than a hamster, but smaller than a guinea pig. And it has a long tail. And we brought it home. And my wife almost had a heart attack. She looked in the box and she said, get that rat out of here. <laughs> you know, she would not let us keep it in the house. So we, we, we did keep it for overnight because we couldn't do anything as late as it was. And I think we got, it, was it, we got up the next morning and it was out of the box, Virginia? Yes, it was gone. <laughs> she was going to go pack her bag, Stan, and leave. She was, she was not going to have a rat in her house. She was moving out. So me and Chelsea searched diligently for that gerbil that Virginia, oh, excuse me, rat. Virginia will correct me every time it was a gerbil, but she insists that it was a rat. So we did find it, and we got it back in the box, and I took it back to the pet store. And the lady said we couldn't bring it back. And I said, well, you mean we can't bring it back? I said, you don't have to give me a refund. We just can't keep it. She said, well, we still can't take it back. And I was like, well, what am I supposed to do with it? She said, I don't know. Whatever you want. I said, oh, no problem. So me and Chelsea went outside the store, and I set it down on the box on a thing in front of the store in the grocery part thing and put a note on it. It says, free gerbil to a good home. And we were walking away, and some people walked up, and the girl says, a free gerbil. And they took it home. See, so it got a home. And it got out of Virginia's house, and I'm a happy man today. <laughs> See, I know how to make my wife happy. Listen to her. <laughs> I read a graduation card one time. And on the graduation card, it said, welcome to the rat race. And I thought that was the right expression to describe the hurried pace we live in today. Because if you think about it, everything is fast, fast, fast. We're always in a hurry to get something done. We're always in a hurry to go somewhere. But why this busy pace in our day. Why is it we have to have this? Well, mostly because we try to maintain this thing called a standard of living. We try to maintain our standard of living, the things that we have. But yet there are a lot of people around the world that are searching for the meaning of life. Well, the man in the race I want to talk to you about this morning is Solomon. Solomon was a wise man. 
And in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, we find here the king who finds pleasure meaningless. I said in mine heart, go to now. I will prove thee with mirth. Therefore enjoy the pleasures, and behold, this also is vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of mirth, what doeth it? I sought in my heart to give myself unto wine, yet acquainting mine heart with wisdom, and to lay hold on folly till I might see what was that good for the sons of man, which they should do under the heaven and all the days of thine life. I made me great works. I builded me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards. And I planted trees in them of all kinds of fruit. I made me pools of water to water within the wood that bringeth forth the trees. I got me servants and maidens, and I made servants born in my house. Also, I had great possessions of great and small cattle, above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold, and the particular treasures of kings of the provinces. I get me men singers and women singers, the delights of the sons of man as musical instruments and all of that sorts. So I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. And whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from joy. For my heart rejoiced in all thy labor. And this was my portion of all my labor. And he goes on. The rat race that we face this morning. The book in the Bible of contrast here, the key phrase, under the sun. Life is seen here by the natural man. Solomon and his search. Solomon searches in education and philosophy, searches out the reasons for all the things under the sun. He observes the phenomenons of nature. He tries to understand why things happen as they do. I got to say to you this morning, there are times in my life I wonder why things happen the way they do. I wonder, why does God do this and why doesn't he do that? Sometimes I'm thinking, why isn't he pouring out multitudes of blessings upon the people of God who are worshiping him and serving him? And why isn't he not striking down those sinners, those people who are 
just full of iniquity. I was listening to the radio yesterday, and uh, I heard that uh, Tom Cruise, no, not Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks, had crashed a wedding on the beach. It was a, they said it was a beautiful ceremony out there on the beach, and, and so he, he goes and he interrupts this wedding. And he goes up there and he starts talking to the woman who's got a gown on. And she said, where's, he said, where's the groom? You could hear him say it. Well, the, there was no groom. It was another woman. The woman was marrying another woman. And he said, oh, I'm sorry. And I thought, but isn't that the way it's supposed to be? When you go to a wedding, don't you normally look for a groom if you see a bride? You know, and, and he tried to, I guess, kind of blow it off, you know, as a funny. And then there became a great debate. Because the debate was with the newscaster who was reporting it said that he had, he had interrupted a lesbian wedding. And the person on the other end said, well, why do you have to call it a lesbian wedding? Why can't you just call it a wedding? He said, well, when two women are getting married, they're lesbians. He said, but when two men get together and get married, they call it a union. He said, how come they don't call it a homosexual wedding? I said, I don't, I was thinking in my mind, well, that, that makes sense. Why don't we? You see, the, the busyness of our society, the rat race that we live in, the, the world is trying to get us to conform to new terminology, to try to back away from things that are really called sin. And they're trying to dress it up and make it look pretty. No matter how pretty you can make a skunk, it still stinks. You can dye a skunk solid white, it's still going to stink. You can make it all black, it's still going to stink. You know what? Sin stinks. It, it, it's a putrid thing before our Lord God. But you see, people, they, they want to ignore all of that. They want to ignore the word sin. They want to ignore the word the cross. They want to ignore the blood of Christ. There are churches all over the world that are not preaching about sin in the church, in the pulpit. They're not preaching about the cross. They're not preaching about the blood of Jesus Christ because all of that makes people uncomfortable. Well, sin is uncomfortable. That's just how it is. You, you can't take the word of God and just start cutting out little pieces that you don't like. People love to do that. I've, people will take a, a black marker and they'll black out words that they don't like. Because it makes them uncomfortable. It makes them not want to think about it. But church, we have no choice in that. God himself made the word of God for us. That we would live it. Amen? Uh-oh. I think we got to start over. A little quiet in here this morning. 
Solomon's search takes him. He, he finds frustration. Matter of fact, in Ecclesiastes 1, 14 and 15, he says, I have seen all the works that are done under the sun. And behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. That which is crooked cannot be made straight. And that which is wanting cannot be numbered. He's frustrated. There are times in my life I get frustrated. The more he knows, the worse he feels. Because when he goes on into Ecclesiastes 118, he says, For in much wisdom is much grief. And he that increases knowledge increases sorrow. There are things sometimes I believe God doesn't want us to understand. But there is, a, there is this search upon man's heart and upon man's mind. They feel like they've got to know everything. The Word of God says we only know in part. We don't know everything. Nor are we going to know everything. No matter how much you want to know everything. Let me say this. I'm going to try to be a little careful and not hurt anybody's feelings. But I can't promise. So there's my disclosure. So if you get your feelings hurt or I step on your toes, I'm apologizing in advance. We don't have to be busybodies. We don't have to know everybody's business. The only thing we need to know is we need to pray for them on a daily basis. I pray for each one in our church on a daily basis. Why? Because I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're experiencing. I don't know what the rat race you're in right now. All I know is to pray for you and to help, to, to, for God to bring clarity to you, not to me about your situation. Now, I'm sorry if I stepped on your toes. But we don't have to be busybodies. But unfortunately, we feel like we got to know everything. We can't pray for you unless we know everything that's going on with you. That's not what the Word of God says. I don't have to know everything about you. I don't have to know anything about you. The Word of God just simply tells me to pray for you. It's up to Him to take care of the rest. It's not up to you, and it's not up to me. It's up to Him. And I know things get busy and I know things go crazy once in a while. And man, when our life gets all torn up and it all just ravel, things unravel and stuff like that. And we, well, I really wished I knew how to pray for them. Do you, do you by chance know what's going on with them? You don't need to know. If you need to know, ask the Lord Jesus Christ. If he wants you to know, he'll give you some wisdom on it. He'll give you a little discernment. And he'll, he'll take care of it. Don't ask me. Don't ask Virginia. Because we don't know. We just simply pray. Our mandate is to pray. Solomon intensifies his search. And he tries pleasures and feelings. He tries mirth. But what does he find? He finds misery. He tries comedy, but he finds misery. He tries wines, but what does he do? He finds it wanting. 
He tries diversions, but he finds disappointment. I thought when I was studying this yesterday and I was reading this, I thought I, thought I was talking to me. I try things and it doesn't work out my way. You know why? Because God didn't intend me to me to try it. He didn't intend for me to have it that way. And that's why I find it wanting. That's why I find it disappointing. But Solomon tries to find, find meaning in great projects. He tries architecture and, and agriculture. Solomon had built huge homes. Uh, uh, he built a temple, a kingdom for his family. In the course of history, it would all be ruined. No matter how much you put together here on earth, when you leave here, it's not yours anymore. You're not going to know what's going to happen to it. I always hear these people, well, I've got I've to leave an inheritance for my children. Why? Now, I'm not trying to tell you don't leave an inheritance for your children. Please don't misread me. But I'm says, asking you the question, why? Where are we supposed to be laying up our treasures? In heaven. Why are we saving them here? I know we have to take care of ourselves for the future. We have to prepare for the future. We have to prepare to take care of our family for the future. I understand all that. But, but that's you. You're supposed to take care of you. You're supposed to take, I'm supposed to take care of my wife. You see, when I married her, I married her for richer or for poor. And I was hoping she was going for the richer side, but she didn't pray either way. So now I'm in the poor side. <laughs> and it's a good thing because she's still with me. And in sickness and in health. I remember our, can I share something about our first year of marriage? Is okay? She was sick every week for the first month of our marriage. Every week and one week out of the month, she was sick. I wanted to go to her father and say, why did you pawn your daughter off onto me? She's sickly. Every month she's sickly. But I didn't. I helped her through all those times of being sick. Trying to understand. And I found out it was my driving that was making her sick. Because, see, she only got sick when we went away. When we would drive over to Daytona, we would drive somewhere, we would go somewhere. That's when she got sick, Stan. And it took me... 35 years to figure out that it was my driving that was making her sick. <laughs> Even today, when she gets in the car, she'll sit in the back and she'll go, oh, you're making me nauseous. I said, I'm driving straight, but you hit the brakes too hard. You're turning too sharp. And, I, and somehow I managed to find every pothole in the road. Listen. Life is not always fun. But I'm so thankful that I have a life with the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't have to worry about all the rat race. I don't have to worry about when my wife's sick, I know God's going to take care of her. That's why she has her own car now. Now she don't have to be car sick no more. Aren't you wonderful? She's so cute over there looking at me. I'm trying to figure out what's going through her mind. 
Except the Lord build the house, thy labor is in vain. The one who builds it is in vain. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman walketh in vain. This book is part of Solomon's testimony of what happens when the kingdom of a family forgets God. If you forget about God, if you're not living for God, then your house is a wreck. You know, I often wonder, why is there so much corruption in the city that we live in? Why is there so much corruption in the country that we live in? Oh, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that not everybody's living for God. Because if everybody was living for God, we wouldn't have the chaos that we have right now. We wouldn't have all the hatred that we have right now. We wouldn't have all the sin running rampant that we have right now. Because everybody would be rejoicing in the Lord. Solomon tries to build mansions and music. He tries power and position. But what shall it profit a man that he gain the whole world? Solomon summarizes all of his attempts of finding life's meanings as vexation of spirits. Some versions translate this, chasing after the wind. How many of us have chased after the wind? I'm guilty. I'll be honest with you. Hey, I just want you to know your pastor is not perfect. Okay? I've chased after the wind a few times. We feel the, the wind as it passes, but we can't catch a hold of it or keep it. And all of our accomplishments, even the big ones, our good feelings are only temporary. They go. We can have some great up days, right? You can be feeling good for months and months and months, and you have one bad day, and you think the world is coming apart. And we're like, God, where are you? Where have you been? And nobody thinks back about the last seven months where you've had just prosperous times, great times, good health. Everything went smooth. Everything was great. You have that one day, and that's the one day we only remember. Come on. It's true. That's what happens. That's the rat race we live in. Well, I want you to know, how do you know if you're in the rat race? How do you know? Well, one, if you're exhausting yourself to gain material possessions, then you're probably in the rat race. Trying over and over again to gain stuff only to lose it and then try to gain it all back again. How about if you work night and day to keep up with others? Trying to prove to others that you have what it takes to do the job. You have what it takes to, to do anything. You don't need anybody's help. You can do it yourself. For you've got the strength. You've got the abilities to do it. How about if you're just getting yourself higher feeling of the moment so others can see you and praise you and give you accolades because you seek them. How about if your life centers around yourself instead of others? There's a lot of people like that in our world today. 
again, seeking praises of others, not helping others. Because if we give somebody who's down and lowly, who needs help, and we give them a little attention, then all of a sudden the attention's been taken from you and it's been given to somebody else. If you're building your life without the Lord, you for certainly, for sure, are in the rat race. The psalmist says in 127.1, Except the Lord build the house, thy labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman walketh, walketh but in vain. Families establish homes and watchmen guard cities. But those or these activities are, are useless if God's not in it. If God's not in it, it doesn't matter what you do. It's not going to work out. A family without God can never experience a spiritual bond which comes from God when he builds relationships. And I think it's important for the church family to build and have an, a, an experience with God, have an experience with the Lord Jesus so that we can build bonds together. So how do you get out of the rat race? How do you close it all out? How do you make, get, get from that hurriedness that we are all involved in that rushing around that we're all how do we get out of that well first we have to come with our sins to Christ that's the first step we have to acknowledge we have to repent we have to be able to move forward in Christ second we have to look to him alone for salvation there's no other name under heaven in which a man can be saved. So we have to come to Christ for salvation. You can't go to anybody else. You can't go to your neighbor. You can't go to your local priest. You can only come to Jesus. Because he's the only one who can save. And third, we have to lay aside every weight and every sin. We need to allow the Lord to transform us, to change us from the inside. You, you, have to, you have to start backing off from these things that you've been involved in, these things that have kept you busy, these things that have kept you from having that relationship with God. We have to back away from those things. And the only way to do that is to lay away, to lay aside those things. Acknowledge your sin. Fourth, we must run the race with patience, steadfastness, and, and consistency. We have to read, we have to pray, and we have to do his will. If you want to break the bonds of that rat race that you've been involved in, these are the things that I think that we need to do in order to get out from under that rat race. We need to read what? The local paper? No. Oh, the magazine that came out on the newsstand yesterday. No. God's Word. We need to be reading God's Word on a consistent and daily basis. 
That's how we're going to break that, that curse of that race, that rat race we've been involved in in all these years. The only way to break it is to get into God's word. And then what do we do? We need to pray. Pray for what? Pray for one another, sure. But pray for understanding of God's word. That he will show you. He will help you to understand. And when you take it all in and you pray and you ask the Holy Spirit, help me to understand that which I'm reading. God will help you to understand. And then you'll have full knowledge of what you're doing. And do his will. Not thy will be done, but his will be done. You see, part of the rat race is doing your own thing. Doing your own will. See, God has given us free choice. God has given us free will to do whatever it is. He doesn't desire that we do that. He desires that we do his will. Well, you can't know his will if you're not reading his word. That's why the rat race continues on. Because we're not spending the time with God that we need to spend with him. We're not spending the time with him that needs to be taken so that we can understand what his will is for our life. I know sometimes we get thrown a curveball, so to speak. And... That curveball sometimes causes our train to crash, go off tracks, derail. And we start doing things that we think God wants us to do, but we never ask them if we're supposed to do them. We just do them. And then when things start falling apart, we're saying, okay, God, where are you? Did anybody stop to ask God, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Before we did it. Not after we did it. It happens to us. It happens. But God has made it so easy to get back on track. He's made it so easy. You just back that train up a little bit where the derailment happened. Ask God to forgive. Give you some clarity of mind. And begin to move forward. Now sometimes that may require you to take the uh, what do you call that? The, the farmer who puts the yoke on the oxen and they make them plow the field. They put those little blinders on them. Sometimes we have to put some blinders on. And the blinders can be God's word. And when you put God's word on as a blinder, you'll move forward in him doing the right thing. You won't have to worry about stepping over a stone or stubbing your toe. You just move forward in him. How many of us are using God's word as blinders? How many of us are using it? And fifth, and most important thing to get out of that rat race is to keep your eyes on Jesus. Because you see, Jesus is the prize. Jesus is the prize. Eternal life is the prize. Being with our Lord God is the prize. And you see, when we can move forward in him and stay focused and going forward, the prize is going to be right there. And if you keep your eyes on the prize, you're not worried about all the stuff going on around you. You're not worried about the rat race. You're not worried about all the chaotic things going on. The prize is right here. 
Jesus can come at any second. So I want to keep my focus on the prize. I want to keep God doing his will because I want to keep focus on him because I want the prize. How many want the prize this morning? Are you sure? Are you sure you want the prize? Then there's going to be a lot of hard work to get to the prize. It's not going to be an easy task. It's not going to be a smooth road. But the prize is there if you want it. And you have to want it to get it. Because there's a lot of hard work involved. I wish I could tell you this morning, it's simple and it's easy. And once you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, things are going to be smooth. Nothing's going to go wrong. Everything is going to be happy. Thank you, Jesus. No. It's going to be rough. They despise Jesus. So guess what? They're going to despise you. They didn't make it easy for Jesus. They're not going to make it easy for you. But the prize is what we aim for. The prize is where we're going. I wish I could give you some super good, cheerful hurrah this morning to make you go out and say, I'm in! It's going to be smooth from here on out. Thank you, Pastor, for that word. No. Because I'll tell you, you're going to get up in the morning, you're going to stump your big toe on the corner of that bedpost. And the thoughts that will probably run through your mind will not be Christ-like. <laughs> Listen. He who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Church, keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on Christ. When you keep your eyes on him, the prize is going to be well worth it. If you give yourself in this race and keeping your prize, keeping your eyes on the prize, you will not be sorry in the end. I promise you. Matthew 10.39 says, He that finds his life shall lose it. And he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you, Lord God, this morning that we are keeping our eyes on the prize. Lord, that the rat race of life doesn't have to be chaotic. Lord, help us to study and read your word. Help us to stay focused on the prize that is before us. Lord, teach us every day. Teach us how to do your will every day. Help us to follow in your footsteps every day. Lord, I know it's not going to be an easy task for a lot of us, but Lord, I know that you are the prize. Lord, you will help us to win in the end. And I'm so thankful, Lord God, that you're going to help us. I'm so thankful, Lord God, that you have made a way for us to be able to come together, to fellowship together, to pray together, to worship together. 
Lord, I thank you for Legacy Ministries, Father, who has made this place available. Father, that we can help to keep our eyes on the prize, to stay focused on you. Lord, for if it's, we're for hearts like that. Lord, we'd all be still wandering around. But Lord, you have given us the victory. You've given us the victory to serve you every day of our life. And Lord, I thank you and I praise you for this. Lord, I ask that you would just keep your hand upon each one here this morning. Help them to stay focused on the prize. And Lord, they won't regret it in the end. And we give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen.